welcome to a new episode of the Fullmount Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're featuring a special conversation between the internal daughter director, Joanna Hogg, and filmmaker Martin Scorsese. The two talked about discovering each other's filmography, Hogg's lifelong friendship with Tilda Swinton, and the process of creating art out of grief. The Eternal Daughter follows a middle-aged filmmaker and her elderly mother who take an eerie, emotional trip to the past when they stay at a fog-and-shrouded hotel in the English countryside. The great Joanna Hogg uses this Victorian Gothic scenario for an entirely surprising, impeccably crafted excavation of a parent-child relationship starring Tilda Swinton in a performance of rich, endless surprise. The NYFF 60 selection plays daily in our theaters. Get tickets at filmlink.org eternal. Well, Joanna, Joanna, The Eternal Daughter, beautiful film. Um, uh, um, I usually start this off by um, a kind of a quick uh, um, description of, or, or, uh, of, of how I discovered or discovered the, uh, the work that, that she does. It was in, I was in England shooting Hugo, a 3D film, and... Um, it was on a weekend. Um, the BFI sent me a, a DVD to take a look at and with a letter saying you should take a look at this film. And I don't know, it was a Saturday night. And I had the next day off. Um, we were over budget and over scheduled, so it was kind of anxiety ridden. And I said, let me put this in. And um, it was a film called Archipelago. And um, I watched the first 10 or 15 minutes, but my mind I was very distracted. It was very, I was very. Um, uh, busy in my head with my own picture, um, and in terms of, I just wondered what these people were talking about. And I, I said, I, I don't know if I could deal with it anymore. I said, what, what is this? And I stopped it. I said, I'm not going to see this. And all night, all night I'm thinking about this. I said, it's so interesting with the wide shots of the, the island and this house and a mother and a sister and this brother. Um, there's something about the landscape that reminds me of Paul Pressburger. There's something about the color palette. And so there was one particular scene, uh, very quickly, where he, the son comes back to the house with the mother and, and sister. He's just arrived. And they take him to the house, uh, second floor. And his sister is saying, well, you could stay in this room, or, um, but if it's too much for you, you, you can go upstairs. We're going to give you there. But if not, you could take this room. He goes, no, no, it's all right. I'll, I'll go upstairs. Really? Are you right? Are you sure? And I'm paraphrasing. And the mother says, no, no, this is your holiday. You, are you sure you want to go upstairs? And he says, yeah, yeah, it's really okay. And his sister says, oh, you're being so nice. And um, he said, no, I'm fine. He goes upstairs. And that stayed with me because the style of the picture that up to that point um, was very quiet. Um, uh, painterly, and I was wondering, I was looking at the body language, I think, is what happened. And so, for me, I thought there was a lot going on under the surface, and then I had to learn how to look at it. And I had to, I had to, okay, you know, sort of calm myself from my own work, and I put it back in, the machine, watched the whole thing, and it was a remarkable experience. And so, um, 
I was talking about the film all the time, and eventually met you when I think the picture opened in London. Uh, well, you, you came over, you got a fellowship at the yes. BFI. Yes, I did. <laughs> that always works. And then, and then I asked you to, if you'd executive produce exhibition. Yes. And you were involved in that. And I remember um, having conversations with you when I was in the house that we shot Archipelago in. And it was a really bad signal. And I was in that attic room. And we were, I, I was uh, hanging on your every word, but it was very hard to hear because it kept cutting out the phone. <laughs> it was really frustrating. But, yeah. Well, exhibition then... Um when it was shown here, uh, I think we then started talking about other projects, right? I mean, you came to my house and there was a dinner, not the one that where the fire engines arrived. Oh, that was that later. was that was with honor. That was, who with was honor, in yes. um, was in the souvenirs <laughs> a bit later. No, that was really dramatic. Yeah, well, <laughs> house is going anyway, to burn down. Anyway, story. Um, yeah. But go ahead. Sorry. Uh, so, so I yeah, I came to see you in the house after I'd made exhibition, and we were talking about that. But you, well, we were talking about what I was going to do next. I was asking Martin, you know, what what. Uh, you know, what, what do you recommend I do? And it was between making the souvenirs, so going back in time and doing something semi-autobiographical or, or making a, a, a gothic ghost story. And, uh, and I don't think you gave me the answer exactly, except as I was leaving, you gave me a copy of Jacques Tourneur's Night of the Demon, a DVD of that, and then two volumes of M.R. James' short ghost mm -hmm, stories. Mm -hmm, and you mm -hmm. marked in the books um, exactly the ghost stories to read, and one was Casting the Runes. Casting the Runes, yeah. Casting the Runes, that uh, is obviously what Night of the Demon is based on. And I think, um, uh, well, there were a few few others that you... Uh, you Aikman? Uh, Aikman, that, that, was, that was later, because then... Later. then, um, then uh, so I went away with these wonderful... Uh, inspirational gifts in a way. I mean, it was just so, so great. I, I then went and made the souvenirs, but then after that, when I came back to The Eternal Daughter, because I'd originally conceived it in 2008, but not as a ghost story at that point. But uh, I, and then we were texting, it was during the first lockdown in London. Oh, the lockdown, and, yeah. That's and I was right. asking you for other ghost story recommendations. right. right. Which included Walter Delamere, Delamere um, Robert Eichmann, and, and 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 Kipling, and there was a short story um, called "They," which you particularly said I should read, mm -hmm. and that mm -hmm. had that was probably the biggest influence mm -hmm. on the Eternal Daughter, um, in that it's an incredibly moving um, tearjerker of a short story. I mean, I was in tears. I think you were saying last night you were also in no, tears. I was in tears when I read it, it too, and I. I, uh, I think it was recommended to Thelma from Michael Powell for years, and uh, um, and it's out of print. Uh, Kipling is, uh, you know, has it, it fallen out of favor to a certain extent, and the uh, but some of the short stories, Mrs. Bathurst and uh, um, uh, uh, the Gardener, uh, Mary Postgate, some of these things are quite remarkable, um, and they is is uh, uh, a revelation, really, and so that seemed to work. That seemed to work, and that was a trigger for me to um, make something that was that had gothic ghost, you know, it was a ghost story, but also uh, it, it, an emotional story. I never 
I was never moved, I'd never been moved by a ghost story before in that way. And so the sort of somehow the, those, bringing those elements together, I mean, it wasn't quite as clinical as that in the way that it came together, but the, that story was really um, a big inspiration for, for You're the right, film. You're right about that, about not being moved by ghost stories, except a little bit in The Uninvited, Lewis Allen film that they, they did with Ray Milland and Gail Russell. Uh, a bit of that, which is a, another uh, which influence. was another another well a film that, another film that you said to watch and but not, that I hadn't seen before that was right. that had a lot of um, yeah I got a lot from that the the, the amazing staircase shots um, but yeah but you take take the idea of the ghost story the idea of a mother and daughter um, and as I was saying the other day as I I have three daughters and two granddaughters and. Um, so for me, especially in the last 20, 23 years, the relationships, the relationships between the mother and daughter is uh, mysterious and fascinating um, and uh, uh, somewhat, uh, as I say, mysterious. I, I don't know what it is, but I observe it um, and how it changes and the nuance. And in a sense, the ghost of the mother is in the daughter. In a way, and in, in, in a way, I think, and in, in you, you, you seem to achieve that in this film. I still don't know if the mother's really there or not. In a way, when I see the film, and I've seen the film many times, um, uh, so if I don't want to know, it's okay. I know she's there. In a way, could you talk a little about how you came to deal with that issue of being a daughter? Well, it, it, it's a big issue. I mean, it's been a big uh, theme of my life, really. Um, how to. Um, how, how to be separate, separate really from my mother because I always felt myself to be very sort of co-joined with her in a way and as a teenager I never did that thing that you're meant to do which is separate. Um, I think there was a little rebellious time but I, I, I've always worried about her um, and always feared her death even when I was really young, when I, from a child. So that, um, so that story or this story came out of those fears um, of, 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 of losing my mother. And my mother, when I finally got around to making this, because I, I had a lot of guilt around making something that was partly about her, felt like I was, well, just as Julie says in the film, you know, she's worried about stealing something, um, that it's sort of not her to take. It's not her subject to, to use. And, and so I really grappled with that, and the film nearly didn't happen um, a few times because of that guilt that I felt and that I, that I felt like I didn't have a right to make this film. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, uh, so my mother was still alive when, when, when we shot it and I was very, I mean, I was very secretive about what I was doing. I didn't really spell out to her <laughs> what it was. Uh, also because I was filming in, um, in the house of my mother's aunt, my great aunt. It was a house that I'd never actually been to myself until we filmed there. But it, there was a lot of guilt flying around anyway, that's all I can say. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and, and then uh, I made it and she actually, I think she knew better than what I gave her credit for, what, what I was really doing. And she came up with the name of the hotel, which um, in English, it's a Welsh name in the film means Mother Mountain. Uh, I think she had a sense of what I, what I was doing and, and then she died when I was e editing, editing it, so she never saw it. She was actually mm -hmm. looking forward mm -hmm. to seeing it. She liked the idea of a ghost, something yeah. spooky. I mean, I, I, was, I, was, uh, I think, and uh, I suggested this yesterday, and that is that, um, in a way, the parent or the 
not not everyone, not every family, I'm sure, but the way I experienced it, the parent um, may be a little uncomfortable about the child expo or, uh, utilizing their life or ideas or whatever. And, 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 but um, I think she would have welcomed it or may have welcomed it in a sense, knowing you're going there, you're going to do it, you need to do it, you know, yeah. and yeah. it's for you and um, they'll sacrifice themselves for that. Um, and I think that's uh, interesting. Um, and she lets you go, yeah. you know. And, and yeah, but but it's true uh, th that she would have uh, uh, she would have enjoyed, in a way, me yeah. telling her more about it. And I feel I'd sort of did, kind of did her a disservice in a way. I can't think of the right words to express what I mean. But I, you know, I, it was a kind of an insult in a way, or, or rather, there would have been pleasure, and maybe I would have found pleasure in talking to her more candidly about what I was doing. And I think that the, the area that's so hard to talk about um, in my family generally, um, but particularly with mum, was just the idea of death. You know, mm. uh, uh, you, you, that word didn't really, you couldn't really, t well, I, again, it was probably in my head, maybe I could have done, but you know, even when she was very old, um, in her early 90s, I, I sort of wanted to talk, I felt that she was fearful of what was to come, and I and I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to talk to her, and it might have given her comfort if I had. Mm, mm, mm. But I, I do think, in effect, for you, in, in a sense, of you making the film is almost like cutting to the chase. All right, death, it's there. How? Okay, what I'm experiencing now is in the process of the art, you know, um, and so that when it happens, and it will happen to all of us, but when it happens, at least to mom, um, I will have at least begun to process a kind of grief uh, and I think she understood that I don't know there's something about uh, the way you describe uh, her, her reactions to you making this picture and uh, even the thing about the garden with the hat yes yes yeah yeah because we in um, in the part two of the souvenir I used her garden um, as the as the family garden and uh, and we were there filming and Tilda was uh, wearing a particular hat when she was um, uh, doing some gardening and then she was smoking a cigarette in the garden and, and my mother uh, said to her, said to Tilda, you know, I really wouldn't wear, wear that hat you're wearing, you should wear this hat and produce one of her own hats. So she knew exactly what was going on. Starts directing the whole thing. <laughs> but that's, that's um, this is the way you had to, I, I, this is the way you had to find it. This is the way you had to come. I think she knew it in a way, yeah. you know, and then the, 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 um, a whole um, uh, the coup of of how Tilda Swinton playing both parts. Maybe you could talk a little about that in terms of how you came, how you and Tilda came came to that, and the the resonance of that in the picture when you intercut the two. Yeah, yeah. I mean that 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 what what we did together was really um, a product of our long-standing friendship because we've both we've known each other since we were 10 and so it's um we have yeah we know each other incredibly well and I think uh we'd worked together when I was at film school and then there were 30 years that went by when we didn't work together and then she was in the souvenirs and then and then this and this was the first time that we really collaborated fully together and and in a way um saying this last night too, the, the, the sort of the role of director actor was sort of not really existent. It wasn't really relevant, you know, just sort of it, it dissolved because it was just about this deep friendship we have 
and the and 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 what Tilda is playing. I mean, in a way, we were having a conversation together, and um, I don't know if you realize, maybe you do, but the the what she does is improvise, which would seem on the surface to be really almost impossible because she's playing both parts. So how can you how can you have a scene that's improvised when she's not there for half of? Uh, you know, the other character isn't there. And, uh, and, and what happened was that we had a conversation. So we'd be sitting across the dining table and I would be Julie and she would be Rosalind or vice versa. And then we'd, we'd construct the, 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 the scene through our conversation. And it was interesting how easy even, I mean, I'm, I don't feel comfortable in front of the camera and I wasn't in front of the camera. We were just, I was behind the camera back but having this conversation with her and it was and and I think because we know each other so well and then Tilda knew my mother and I knew hers so we so we we sort of there's an understanding there anyway and 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 it's uh yeah I mean there's so many things to say about that but Tilda Tilda I mean I've obviously watched the film so many times myself and I find that each time when I was making it I was watching it when we were editing it I I, I forget I forget that Tilda yes. is playing both is parts. Playing, I yeah. just see these yeah. two different people, very distinctive from each yeah. other. Yeah, everything, body language, uh, tone of the tone of, of their voices is uh, is different. I mean, so when you were doing this, sitting across from each other, doing an, an, an improvisation, you were playing one part, she was playing the other. Is that it? Yes. Uh, did yeah. you record it? And, no. Mm, no. No. Well, actually, uh, that's not true. There will be um, there will be take. I mean, it was usually the first take where I was there. So actually the, that will be, that will be somewhere. Uh -huh. But, we, but um, we didn't record, you know, there was no sort of making of then because uh -huh. it also uh -huh. was during COVID. So we were a very yeah. kind of reduced crew. But um, uh, yeah, the, 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 the process itself, I'm always really interested in the process of making a film more than the finished film in a way. And, it, uh -huh. and this was uh -huh. unique. I don't think I'll ever uh -huh. make a film like this again. I mean, hopefully I do something else with Tilda, but not, you know, uh, without this double character idea. But it's also interesting because you put yourself in that building in Wales during COVID and you knew it was haunted. <laughs> you knew it. Well, my mother told me it was haunted. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are in there. You're not going anywhere. You're with each other. You're going to have to make this film. And it's this extraordinary, uh, it's almost like a, a, a kind of a retreat in a way to deal with the, uh, with with death, yeah. I I made myself stay in the hotel for the shoot. I didn't have to. Most sensible people were living somewhere else in nice, cozy hotels somewhere. Um, but I I thought well, also I had a convenience because it meant that I could get out of bed and then I was on set straight away. Sure. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and because how long was the shoot? It was short. Uh, it was like six and a half weeks. Yeah, but, so there you but, are. You, yeah. But I didn't sleep very well. I was terrified. And and by the end, uh, I slept with my light on. And I sure I saw a shadow under the door. There was no one in the room at the time, but I, I, I saw something moving. And, and many people, all our imaginations were... were Starting to go. Yeah, yeah. but it, 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 yeah, it takes on its own, you know, it takes... Those buildings are so old and there's so much there. I, I, you know, um, the, it still has an electricity to it, I think, and you feel it. Um, uh, I, I think, um, for me, it's interesting... The stylistic um, references to a genre that this appears on the surface to be a genre, but a, a genre piece. But it has elements thereof. But it, it it's it 
it's deeper. It's not in a way. It's something. It's, it's something else. So maybe you could talk a little about the uh, um, the uses of uh, the use of certain um, camera. Uh, what I like very much. What I find so um, rewarding watching uh, uh, Joanna's films is a is again um, the focus it puts me into. It forces me to see something, and I don't feel like I'm being pushed into it either. I find myself floating into that world, whether it's archipelago exhibition or the souvenirs, part one and two, and so very much so in this one. And so um, does that have to do with, uh, again, you're, you, you do a lot of still photography, I, I discovered, so that does it have to do with the way you frame something, your interiors, for example, with the lines that you use in the rooms, um, uh, as opposed to camera movement, uh, the use of lighting a certain way. Um, uh, how did you play with those facets of uh, uh, the uh, the supernatural genre, so to speak? Well, I was I intended for it to be more genre than it ended up, in a way. <laughs> I, 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 I think the sort of emotional core of it, um, well, as you know, in editing, there were certain things that were got rid of which would have made it a, a bit more genre in a way. There was a very melodramatic climax that I chopped out um, at the last moment, and uh, it sort of needed to come out. But it, it was a yeah, it it it, it yeah, it set, was going into that where you were mentioning Black Narcissus last night. It was sort of yeah, it was going into something super melodramatic. Um, but in but in terms of camera movement, I was trying to move the camera more. In fact, and I found myself I'm frustrated by. My the the you know if I if I ha ever because I don't look at the films after I've made them but if I ever catch a glimpse of Archipelago or some of the older ones mm. I think oh you know can I not sort of go back and recut now um, I, I I sort of I've, I I I'm I'm more interested in moving and something a bit more kinetic than I have been and and the intention with the Eternal Daughter was to make something interesting yeah because you had more, I think in my mind there was more movement in Souvenir too. That's interesting. <laughs> but that's yeah. that's just my, you know, yeah. it's again the use of the still photography. I mean, uh, uh, it's a, you know, the jump to me is why I was so arrested by the images of Kubrick, for example. Um, even if the scenes themselves are not always um, as important as uh, other scenes in the film, in other words, some of the weaker scenes, he found the angle and he kept it. Um, and uh, whether it's the ceiling, whether it's floor, whether it's an extreme wide angle lens or whatever, I don't know. But he had a view, uh, and I see and I see that similar uh, conviction in what you design in, st in in the static shots. And so for me, I didn't know that. I'm watching. I don't know why I'm watching, but it becomes something uh, like in Souvenir Two when she's waiting outside the psychiatrist's office. Um, you know, I talked even about David Lean to a certain extent in some of the earlier films where he'd hold a shot. You know, but that, uh, many do that, but there was something very specific about what he did and what Kubrick did with the coming, I, I learned later that he was a great still photographer, you see. Yeah. So that um, there's a lot going on in those frames because once you set those angles up and you hold it, there's somehow there's another kind of movement. You know, especially when you cut from one to the other. So, um, but it would be interesting to see what you would do <laughs> if you could take the, uh, you know, the camera and, and, and express yourself in another way. 
but but it's true what you've just described is 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 um it's true for me that i i'm so interested in gesture and body language and if the cuts are really quick then you don't get that sense and you don't get that sense of the person that's right that's why i was uh that's why i was i was uh bewildered when I was looking at the first 10 or 15 minutes of Archipelago. I said, what the hell am I looking at? They're dressing, uh, he's on a bicycle now. Okay, now they're dressing up to go out. And, uh, and then, um, and I'm wondering, I said, why am I watching this? But when, when they went upstairs and she was showing him which room he could take, if you watch, uh, Tom, is it? Then? Yeah. yeah, and he's in the center of the frame, tall, gawky guy, and his body language uh, is extraordinary as opposed to the woman playing the sister who's leaning against the door and she's moving her arms and the mother is right behind him, but she doesn't move very much. Um, and so automatically, I must say, um, I felt there was an extraordinary amount of conflict going on uh, in the family. And I just knew it was going to erupt somewhere. And when it does, it's usually off camera yeah. in, in the film and in other films of yours too, belated and, you know. Yeah. Whenever I've tried to depict that argument or that moment of conflict, it sort of somehow dissipates when you actually see it. Something about, and maybe it's just my experience growing up because I was always observing that my family. I always felt outside of the family in a way. So, I, so I, I wasn't, and I would hear things. I wouldn't necessarily see them. I suppose it's a sort of childlike view. Um, so I, yeah, I was always interested in, in what was going on behind a door, and I don't know. Mm -hmm. that's, I, do I mean, I can explain that, that's it, a so. way in a, in, a, in a conflicted situation like that, or in a stressful situation like that, particularly when uh, um, it's very different from where I grew up, of course, where people felt something, they're going to say it um, uh, loudly. So, uh, but um, in your case, it's a way of, um, um, I think, um, it's a way of survival surviving don't throw yourself in the middle of that mess you have to fit then you still have it in you so now you got to work it out through some kind of art yeah. but it's it, it's sort of i'm not saying violence is good but it's worse in a way because it's it's so um aggressive mm -hmm. you know there's some there's some little change or intonation in the way i don't know the sister in archipelago speaks to her brother but it's got it's, oh, there's yeah. so much violence there yeah. that's sort of that's under the surface yeah and the other scene where she said well you can have a job you know you can have a job you should have hit her <laughs> Should have thrown something at her, you know. Say, brother and sister, it's different. What do you mean? You know, give you a job, you know. I'm going to Africa, you know. But I mean, that would have been more of a, an explosive. I don't mean hit, but I'm saying an explosive, banging the table or something. Don't talk to me about jobs. You're going to be that way. I'm going to leave the house right now. You know, yeah. that's yeah. the end of my scene. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 it's okay. No, no, the mother arguing, then it calms down. But um, uh, that is pretty aggressive. And uh, she becomes very tough that way, particularly after um, biting the, what is it, the, the shot. The, the in, yeah, in yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. In the pheasant. Yeah. yeah. But it's, um, I, I, I think for me, what you do with the camera and the way you move your actors seems to be a way of um, coming to terms with the, you know, the emotions in your life. And I think it's uh, because of that, and particularly this film, The Eternal Daughter, which I've seen many times, um, this is even more minimal, I think, 
don't use the word, it's a bad word to use, I, I think, but what I mean is that it's more controlled. It's more controlled. I really wanted yeah. it to be, yeah, more controlled and, and for, for it to be, yeah, really, uh, can, yeah, very contained and very, and I suppose that was what was inspiring me about genre. I wanted something, I knew that I wanted it to be about 90 minutes. I didn't want it to be too long. I wanted it to be, right. to feel right. very, right. Um, right. yeah, sort of sharp in a way and, and, yeah, it's hard, hard, hard to describe. I, I think I'm getting a slight signal over there in terms oh. of time. Well, are they are they s signaling? Signaling? I can't see you. Oh yes, please, please. Yeah. Audience members. Yes, Joanna, do you want to? Yeah. Should I? Should, should I, I choose? Uh, yeah. I, th this gentleman uh, raised his hand very quickly. <laughs> he certainly did. Yeah. Hi. Um, so I've been wondering about uh, the character's name, Julie, which is the same as the uh, protagonist in The Souvenir. Um, the hairstyle is sort of similar. And uh, obviously Tilda Swinton plays the mother in The Souvenir. I was wondering if you would be willing to comment on the relationship between The Souvenirs and this film, if there is one. Yes. Uh, I mean, it was never my intention to make a, 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 another a third part um, of the souvenirs, but when I was writing, and I always saw The Eternal Daughter, which I'd originally written in 2008, I mean, it's a different story, created in a different time completely. Um, but I, when, I, when I was writing um, my short story, in a way, my document, whatever we call it, um, I, I, uh, I, I kept, um, I always have a problem with character names. I find it very hard to come up with a name that rings true, and it's so, easy to come up with a name that just sort of brings false in a way. And uh, it only felt right as Julie and Rosalind. Um, so that's really how it came about. Not, so not at all as a sort of, a, even, an, a, even as an extension of the souvenirs actually, but it's just the characters. I think with each of my films, there's always something that's carried forward from the previous one. There's always something I'm left thinking, oh, I'm still interested in that, or I'm still interested in that person. I want to do something else with them. So it was really that, and then, and then, and then, of course, when Tilda had the brilliant idea of playing both Rosalind and Julie, she was going to play Julie, but we were going to—I was going to cast a older actress, obviously, to play Rosalind. But when when Tilda had that idea, then of course it's Julie and Rosalind yeah, because she played—it's an older version of Rosalind from the souvenirs. So it's really—it's really about the people rather than the story extending. And I'm sure other films that I will make will have other other connections, but they won't be sequels necessarily. When you're writing these more autobiographical films, uh, can you talk a little bit about separating what actually happened in this situation and then kind of branching off into a into a different story and what that process is like? Uh, that's a really good question, and it's something I really uh, I, I, I don't find easy to do to to make that separation. Or rather, it'll it'll usually start as something really personal and hardly, to my mind, dramatized at all. And then, I mean, maybe the souvenir is a, a good example because the first part feels much closer to my experience than the second part. And the second part was actually partly inspired by the shoot of the first part. Um, so many ideas came from how Honor uh, played Julie, mm -hmm. how we as a crew were, 
the, the, the grappling of, well, exactly that thing of, of, of sort of, you know, ha how to fictionalize um, one's life. And it's an honor as Julie ha is grappling with that. So I was in a way problematizing that very thing in that film. I'm really interested in that. And it's, and it's actually um, hard for me to move away from my interest in that in a way. I don't want to carry on being so meta, but it, it, it's interesting. Yeah, I just th find the process of creation really interesting in that. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, I hope that answers. Yeah. Yes. Hi, Joanna. Um, lovely, lovely film. I've seen it a couple of times already and just love everything. So my question is regarding the character of Bill. Like I noticed this time around, is he an apparition as well? Or is he like a real, a real life person? Yeah. I, I, I wrote him um, as a real person. And then when we were editing, I realized that he, there was that aspect to him. I, I, I wrote him as someone who, who, who sees he's he's got he has some kind of sec second sight mm -hmm. and there was a little bit of the shining in the back of my head in the creation of that character uh, um so it was more that but that he became a ghost himself was really yeah just a sort of perception later on so i i probably not everyone sees him like that but i i and then when we were editing there were certain shots of him walking down the corridor mm -hmm. that we held a little bit longer to give that sense uh, and, and the other inspiration for him was Bruno Gantz in Wings of Desire. And that, uh, so I saw him as an angel. Oh, that's why I didn't realize that's great. Yeah. And that overcoat he wears when he's been out that last night and comes back and, and, and goes to Julie's room, that, that, that was very much, yeah, that, wanting that feeling, yeah, of, of, of yeah, an angel. It was so uh, heavily emotion-laid. Um, my question is, when at the end of a shooting day, um, how long did it take Tilda to decompress and go back to normal? About five seconds. Really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, really incredible. And I, we were all worried about her. I mean, you know, not getting too tired or is it too intense? And she was really... Uh, she found it, I think she found it such a pleasure to do that that gave her energy. And, and, and it was also a really happy shoot. It wasn't as, as sad as it, what you see on screen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she was really resilient and really so up for it. She was sort of hungry to, to, to take two parts like this. And, and uh, yeah, her energy never flagged. Yeah, if those humorous moments was improvised and the comedy within it and how you came in, because it was quite deadpan and like you, you wouldn't really realize, but yeah, I found, yeah, I've, as you could hear, the audience was laughing. Oh, I didn't hear. That's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I really like that though when, yeah, uh, it's, uh, well, what were, were the humorous moments, were they, uh, were they intended or how did they come about? And, and I, I, I mean, it's something I'm more and more interested in, actually, is humor uh, uh, in what I make. And, and I knew even when I was writing uh, the story that I wanted the receptionist to be quite passive aggressive. 
and 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 just those situations I found myself in where you just have these uh, kind of ridiculous back and forth with someone where you're wanting a room or a table in a restaurant a particular way or you know I've not just myself I've seen my family anyway act all those things out so I, I so this yeah I, I it is something that I'm really interested in and it's always a great pleasure to hear uh, laughter um, um, particularly with this film so and 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 to say actually more about the shoot that um, Carly, who plays the receptionist, and Tilda had an incredible relationship with each other, and they made each other laugh a lot. Oh, uh, uh, and so, yeah, we had to have... I think you could feel that. You yeah, could feel there was really, play off each other beautifully. They really worked so well together, and they didn't... When I cast, I don't get my cast members to meet each other first, so it's a, it's a risk in a way. But the first day when Carly, you know, we start, we shoot in story order. So that first day is the scene at the reception and immediately there were sparks flying. I was really fascinated by the contrast that you made with the young woman and her seemingly like passivity. Um, you brought up violence and it reminded me of the scene when the car kind of like goes away. Yes. And yeah. I guess I was curious, like, cause you brought up like violence and passivity um, is Tilda's anxiety a result of passivity? And then the young woman, uh, her passivity, is that a result of violence? Like, I was curious, were you uh, attempting to make uh, like a, an intentional contrast in that way? Uh, I mean, not in the way that you described exactly. I think the idea for, well, I, want, I, I knew that I wanted this contrast of sort of sound and I wanted the, the receptionist to be picked up by her boyfriend for it to be very noisy because then I wanted to be really aware of the silence afterwards. And it was, it was that thing which actually I had because I did do some trips with my mother to hotels and we went to a hotel in Norfolk once and we were the only guests. And then, and then when at night the staff would leave and there was one night when we got really scared where there was a noise on the roof and we thought someone was trying to get into our room and it turned out there were pheasants on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> But this, but it was just that feeling, and then every night it was like, oh my God, that the the um they're going to leave us on our own. So I, I I wanted that, yeah, wanted that just that sudden silence that descends on the house. When you're sort of working on these semi-autobiographical pictures and sort of you're like revisiting these memories from when you're younger, do you feel or are there times that like you when you're viewing it from kind of an, a newer lens, a older lens? that you're like discovering new things about events that transpired in your past? If, uh, like yeah. when you're making these films, like do you like reevaluate any sort of relationships that you've had with people as a result of your work? I mean, it's funny, funnily enough, it's more now actually that the conversation we had earlier um, and was connected to the conversation we had last night about what my mother might think, mm -hmm. or the conversations I could have had with her, which would have been more honest in a way. I mean, I, I'm thinking about that much more than I was when I was making the film. So, yeah, there is a sort of, I don't know, you need a bit of reflective distance. I don't know if that's the way to describe it, but yeah, a bit of distance to reflect. Um, and, uh, but the, yeah, there was definitely in making The Eternal Daughter, there was some kind of catharsis that happened um, well, she was still alive when I made it, um, but I was already, as I said earlier, dreading her death, and there was something about making the work that then 
put me in a slightly different place didn't make it any easier than when she died. And actually, the absence, the longer it is, in a way, the more one feels the, 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 the grief. But, uh, yeah. Thank you. I'm interested in your point of view or how intentional while shooting the sound design was, right? Because it's one thing when you're making a, a haunted house picture to have, like, you know, hooting owls and creaking boards. How intentional was that during the shoot, and how much of that did you bring during the editing process? Yeah, well, I mean, it's one of the areas that I'm most fascinated by, so I always look forward to what well, you're in sound mix at the moment. I, 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 I find it it's, it's the most exciting part in a way because everything's coming together, but actually the sort of oral landscape is so interesting, and I'm work, I work with the same sound designer on each film. So I've worked with Jovan now for about 16 years and there's such a pleasure uh, in having those long, long-term collaborations because you can go much deeper into mm -hmm. each piece of work. Mm -hmm. But Jovan really, he was like a method uh, sound designer on this because he, he got so deeply in, into it. It was like he was in a trance. Uh, and and uh, although a lot of ideas came about when we were shooting, um, and the sound recordist, I had the location sound recordist recorded all sorts of sounds around the house. So we had a lot of, a lot of different sounds of door, that big carved door that shuts and mm -hmm. there just so, so many things that were great. But then Jovan makes music really, um, not literally, but out of the sounds that are there. And I don't know what the sound was like tonight. I hope it was really good. We, we, we mixed it. It's the first time I've worked with Dolby Atmos. And um, yes, but the Atmos, the Atmos you t which you told yes, me, told the Atmos yeah. would give you uh, something very special for this film. Yep. Yes, yeah. I mean, the only thing is that not every theatre has that facility, um, unfortunately. But when when yeah, it it sort of really meant that, to envelop you the sounds of of the house. And then there's the Bartok, which um, we used and we repeat repeated and we. Um, record it with, with different instruments, so flute, and there's a, a lot of wi wi different wind sounds, and, and sometimes it's not a, a sound of wind, it's actually a voice. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, and Carly, who, who plays the receptionist, is also a singer, and so she came in um, when, we were, when we were mixing and, and, and recorded all these sounds with her voice. Um, so, yeah. Um, this is such an uh, especially... Um emotionally resonant film. Did you feel in the writing process and the directing process in the beginning that you more had a uh, end goal in mind, a more like calculated approach, um, even, even you know, considering the um, you know, emotional gravity of the film you were making? Or did you feel you were more so guided by the emotion throughout the entire process to an end that you didn't really foresee? Ah, that's so interesting. Uh... It's, it's, I mean, you never quite know what you're doing. And I think the way, or I don't, <laughs> um, the way that I work is so much about um, discovery and what, what's, a, what's about to happen rather than what has happened. So the, so this, so the, 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 the depth, if that's what you've experienced, comes out of um, this, this journey that's looking forward and and so it's not planning everything, and and then maybe that builds up into a sort of whole that's the, then then the film. But I think it's just everybody, and this isn't just myself. We're all, we're all 
we're all sort of, yeah, we're going on a journey, literally, because we, we don't know exactly how it's going to end. I've written something, but I'm so much more interested in seeing what happens and, and yeah, what the sort of chemistry is like of this place and the people that are in it behind the camera and in front of the camera. So it, it, it builds, it builds. But then that um, thing I mentioned of the very melodramatic bit that got taken out, I think there was something about taking, well, you might be better to well, I, say was, what that it, did. It just for me, after watching the film so many times, I was, I was shooting the uh, picture in uh, Oklahoma. And I was in a big house that had a, a little projection room. And I, on a, on a weekend, I would look at the cuts of the picture. But the uh, eventually, the film took you to where it wanted to be, in a way. Um, the images that you uh, accumulated and the way you um, uh, structured them... Um, uh, the configuration of the images uh, didn't leave room for the melodramatic images. It didn't. They didn't seem to belong. Yeah. They they weren't part of the conviction of the story somehow. The what had happened, and I know that I know that you had it in the. Uh, I call it a treatment or a short story that you had written, but um, it, it didn't want to go there for some reason, and we just kept trimming it out. Did, weren't weren't you doing that? I was suggesting more or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and then there was a moment of just taking it out completely. completely. Yes, I, I remember, yeah, because I kept, I showed you various versions and they were, yeah, there was part of it still there. And it was only when it entirely went, and it sounds a bit abstract because you don't know exactly what we're talking about, but it was just this, this moment of mother and daughter on the roof of the hotel and it was, there was wind blowing and there were gargoyles and it was very, very heightened, very saturated color, a lot of red and the mother had blood on her nightdress and it was, it was, it was, you know, it was, it was a there thing. Was great, there were some great things in there too. Then another cut, you had the blood on the floor as she was leaving. Oh, yes. uh, after yeah. the, after the show, your mother, you know, the, the whole film was open. Yet there's blood on the floor from the mother having been cut up on the roof. As I thought, that was great, but still, the roof thing wasn't quite. Yeah. Didn't seem to, you know. But I think you look. You had to shoot it, and you have to cut it, and you yeah. have, in yeah. order to get there and say it's got to go. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And then when it went, so just to, to uh, answer you, uh, that's when I think the sort of emotional, the emotion flooded in because there was space yeah. for it to do it. So you could feel, I think you could feel the mother's absence and, it, and, and you see that, yeah, that moment where she disappears in the dinner, that yes. wasn't there because it couldn't be with the roof because the roof happened after that. So it was, get, it was losing her at that point it gave it the impact, or, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. They told us we have to go. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thank you, Joanna. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.